Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad that you're joining me today and that you have such great feedback for me, and I really appreciate hearing all of that and your involvement just in social media that we do for you and giving it to other people, sending it to other people, and also sending the shows to people. So make sure you always check out the uh, website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have lots of things for you there. And I really appreciate what we are talking about. We're kind of conceptualizing a lot of things we've talked about previously in different shows. But it's kind of delineated into here, number by number by number, almost I think around 30, I've got 30, 25 to 35, of things to just stop doing. So if you just stop doing these things, you're going to be amazed at the energy you have to do the right things. And so we left off yesterday talking about this whole idea of stop holding grudges and the idea of forgiveness for others, for yourself, and the power that comes with that and the necessity for that. And, and I want you to think about, you know, maybe you have a friend that has messed up and the person that they hurt or harmed refuses to forgive them. And you know the backstory. You know how, how humble they are about it. You know how, how just upset with themselves they are, how they just are having so much trouble getting over it. And the person that, that received the harm or the hurt absolutely refuses to forgive them. And how do you feel in that way? How do you feel when someone won't forgive someone you love? Especially when you know they're contrite. Well, that's how God feels when you withhold forgiveness from others that he loves, that he's already forgiven. And that's how God feels when you withhold forgiveness from yourself, when he has already forgiven you. And we read that verse in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26 yesterday. And it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. God publicly displayed him at his death as the mercy seat accessible through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because God in his forbearance has passed over the sins previously committed. This is powerful. This is God saying, hey, I got over all this. You need to get over it. And if you sin again, stop and get over it and move on and forgive yourself and be a people that is known for their forgiveness. So that leads us to this next one. And this is really important. It's stop letting others bring you down to their level. Now, maybe there's a people-pleasing aspect to this. Maybe there's a self-consciousness. Maybe you have a hard time taking stands. But you really want to commit to refusing to lower your standards to accommodate 
those who refuse to raise theirs. And that may mean that they give you a really hard time. That may mean that they shame you, that they say things like, oh, who do you think you are? We know who you are. We know what you've done in the past. Either way, it's very important that you commit to the integrity and the ethics that God has asked you to live at and that you honor that and you are willing to have people be mad at you, upset with you, say bad things about you, give you a hard time, make fun of you. You need to be willing to withstand that and to not lower your standards. Now, this doesn't mean we judge people that don't share the same standards we have. It does, but what it does mean is that we don't change who God has asked us to be and who you are striving to be. So stop wasting time explaining yourself to others. This is a big one. <laughs> this is, and I understand this one. Your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe it anyway, right? So you do what you're supposed to do. If somebody asks for an explanation and you feel that it's worthy of giving one, then give one. But don't fall into that people-pleasing, that one-down position that's always apologizing, always explaining, oh, I just want you to know why I did it or why I think it or why I'm saying no. Here's why I'm saying no. We really want your word to be your word, that you stand by your word. And if no is no, no is no. If they want explanation, then you can say, all right, I can explain. I, I will give you some information as to why I'm saying no. But you don't have to start with that. Don't constantly be putting yourself in a one-down position to have to explain and justify and consistently apologize for things that are simply your preference and your choice. So let's stop, you know, overlooking the beauty also of small moments. And this is really important. God has created so much beauty in this world. And we get so focused getting to our next destination that we don't see the beautiful things that occur. And some of the beautiful things might be somebody giving an act of kindness or courtesy to someone, and you get to witness it. Well, take it in. It's a wonderful thing to see. Or just the workmanship of God's hands. Or you can also see the workmanship of God's hands through his people. I mean, here in Phoenix, Arizona, we have some of the most beautiful homes, the most beautiful buildings that are works of art. But many times we don't appreciate them. Many times we don't appreciate this amazing blue sky that we have the majority of the year. And I know I'm, I'm guilty of that because I'm like, where are the clouds? There's not one cloud ever. And you know, because I love clouds, I, I like the diversity. But at the same time, it's a beautiful sky that we have in Phoenix. And many times we find ourselves complaining. So it's important that we don't overlook some of the, the beautiful things God puts in our place just to calm us, just to give us a reset. It's kind of like a little bit of an Advil, right? It just is kind of a pain reliever to see a beautiful thing, a beautiful gesture, a beautiful moment. So in that, we also want to stop trying to make things perfect. And we don't want to be perfectionists. That's a lot of negative, really exhausting, expensive energy. It doesn't get you anywhere. There's no way we're going to be perfect. We never will be. 
And usually what I have found, and I have found this to be true in my life. I used to be a very staunch perfectionist. And it was painful and very nerve-wracking and upsetting and constantly weighing and measuring and, and comparing and all these things. And when I really let go of perfectionism and said, who do I think I am that I could even aspire to be that? You know, I became so much better at everything I did. It was amazing. And I enjoyed it so much more. And I enjoyed myself. And in that, I enjoyed others so much better. I have so much more grace and forbearance for people. I really major in majors, you know, and, and I really make the distinction with people as to whether or not it's illegal, immoral, unethical, or dangerous, or just, you know, a person being a person, a mistake-making person. And I can look on them with curiosity instead of judgment or weighing and measuring them and figuring out if they're worthy or not or less than. So stop trying to make everything around you perfect. Just be the best you and you bring goodness with you. How about this? Stop following the path of least resistance. So we know life's not easy. And that's especially when you plan on achieving something worthwhile or you're putting effort into your life. So don't take the easy way out. Now, that does not mean, remember, we just talked about perfectionism. So perfectionism is going to completely ruin you being excellent. So when we say don't take the easy way out, what we're saying is really, really go for it. If you're building something, if you're trying to take on something or change, change something in yourself, make a change occur, the foundation is the place that you want to be really, really concentrated. That's the place. That's the structure. You want to put a lot of time and thought and effort and not move forward if that isn't the way it needs to be. If, because that's, that foundation, that structure is going to hold up the entire idea. So you want to make sure that whatever the idea is, that you make the foundation and the structure of it as solid and well thought out with the time and effort it deserves so that it can actually hold, sustain, house the idea. Think about the foundation that they use when they're building a 35-story skyscraper. How deep does that foundation go to hold that size of a building versus a house, you know? And it's not even a two-story house. Most of the houses in Arizona many times are, are not two stories. They're, they're expensive to refrigerate. But even a two-story house, that foundation is very different than a 32, 35-story skyscraper. So whatever it is that you're building, whatever it is that you are attempting to endeavor, you want to make sure that you don't take the easy way out in the beginning stages of it. That's where you want to really put effort. Because it might look beautiful on the outside, but if you haven't shored it up and taken the time to really be concentrated and very thorough, then you'll end up having what we call a sinkhole, right? It can't hold the weight of the idea. So how about this? Stop acting like everything's fine if it isn't. You know, now I'm all for not carrying around all of your emotions on your sleeve and making everybody have to deal with them and see them and experience them. Obviously, that would be more childlike, that children are, are not able to contain their emotions. But there comes a point in all of our lives 
when we need to be honest about what's going on inside of us, about how we're experiencing another person. And we can't just keep saying, oh, it's fine, everything's fine, it's fine. That creates internal sickness. That creates a sinkhole inside of us. Because that's a lie. And what it does is it's like a termite. It eats away at the foundation of who you are. And so sometimes it's okay to fall apart. Sometimes it's okay to be honest with people and not always pretending to be so strong and to constantly prove that everything's going just great. My life is wonderful. Now, I'm not saying that you reveal yourself to just anybody. But if you're revealing yourself to no one, what's going to end up happening is your insides are going to expose themselves to the outside world. And your outsides are, you, your insides are going to come outside. And it's probably going to be at the worst time. You're going to lose it in a board meeting. You're going to lose it on your kid in the, in the grocery store. You're going, you're going to have a complete meltdown somewhere that is really inopportune. So it's really important that if you need to cry, you cry. It's healthy to shed tears. We've talked about the topography of tears and the chemistry of tears and how God has given that as an opportunity for our system to clear itself. And so the sooner you do, the sooner you'll get stabilized. The sooner you'll be able to smile again and you'll feel so much stronger and so much better. So if you don't feel like you have anyone in your life that you feel confident enough to let down, then find a professional. Go to a safe place. Have somewhere that's highly confidential that you can really say, this is me. This is who I am. This is what my struggles are. This is how I think. This, this is what my, my uh, total compulsions are. And then you're able to leave it. You're able to leave it with that person. The nice thing about the help of a, uh, of a professional and that, that level of confidentiality is that they're not going to your church. They're not like at work with you. They're not your neighbor. It's not your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. It's somebody that is not in your current life. So you have some space to figure it out. So in that, we don't want to blame others for our troubles. Now, there's a difference between holding someone responsible and blaming them. So when we talk about the extent to what dreams you are wanting to achieve, when we talk about these types of things, we don't want to blame other people as for the reason why we haven't arrived, why we haven't made it. We want to look at our life and say, am I not employing the right people? Am I not going to the right professionals? Is there something wrong with the plan? Am I not being realistic? Am I not being truthful with myself? Because when you blame others for what you're going through, you deny your own responsibility. It doesn't mean that other people may have not been complicit or started it or gave you something to have to deal with. But as soon as it becomes yours, it's yours. It's your responsibility. And that's the hallmark of an adult. The adult says, okay, I got in a car wreck today and none of it was my responsibility. None of the crash was my responsibility. But it is my responsibility to get the car fixed. And I take responsibility for that. It doesn't mean I take responsibility for how the car was ruined. But I take responsibility because it's my car. So even if someone crashed into you personally, spiritually, 
emotionally, professionally. You still need to care for you and take responsibility for you. Don't give the power over to other people. And so in that, this next one, stop trying to do everything for everyone. Doing so is impossible and you're only going to burn out. And you're not going to get the needs met that you are attempting to get met. Whether it be someone noticing you, whether it be somebody thanking you, whether it be the feeling of feeling relevant, feeling honored, whatever it is those feelings are that you really are craving. And there's nothing wrong with those feelings. They're part of being human. If you're doing everything for everyone for that reason, you're not going to get what you need. So you want to think about what can I do for people? What is realistic? And if you're a servant-hearted person, you might need to talk to somebody about having some really good healthy boundaries. So where do I end and they begin? How much can I truly do? And how do I know when to say no? And how do I know when to stop? So we have a couple more. And this one is really big. Stop worrying so much. The worry, and when we've talked about the book, Words Can Change Your Brain, and the hardwiring of the human brain, and what worry does, it, it organically changes the structure. It, it can change the structure organically of your brain. It's very hard on the human brain to have constant worry, and it doesn't do anything. Jesus didn't worry. He knew how toxic it was to worry. And if that's a habit that you have, that's a learned behavior, even though it's an intellectual behavior, it's a thought, it's important for you to learn how to not worry. And there are lots of great books on it. There's lots of good websites about worry and how to not have worry be your go-to. And so you can ask yourself things like, will this matter in one year's time, three years, five years? And so you can check things out with people. You know, this feels serious to me. What's your opinion on that? Now, I wouldn't do that on an ongoing basis because you still need to figure it out for you. But if you don't, worry is going to strip all the joy out of your life and all it will steal all the peace from you. So when we work on not worrying, we also stop focusing on what you don't want to happen. I want you to focus on what you want to happen. That's, that's where the energy lies. You don't focus on, oh my gosh, if I pull out of my garage, I might hit something. I focus on the fact that I'm going to get to work on time and I'm thankful that I have a car to get me there. So I focus on what I want to happen, not what I don't want to happen. Positive thinking is at the forefront of every great success story. And when we talk about positive thinking, remember, we're not talking about being ridiculous. We're not talking about a Pollyanna way of thinking. It's really important for your brain to be thankful. The better you practice the habit of positive, healthy thoughts and, and reorienting your thought from a negative to a positive, and I'm not saying being in denial. I'm saying something like, wow, if, if my loved one is struggling with cancer and they're dying of cancer and there doesn't seem to be any solution whatsoever, where's the positive? Maybe they're a Christian. Well, they get to be with Jesus. They don't have to be in pain for the rest of their life. Maybe a positive is we have great caregivers. 
Maybe a positive is we have the money to be able to take care. Or maybe the positive is my, my employer is giving me time to be able to help care. There's a positive somewhere. It doesn't mean that we're negating the pain. It means that we're, we're putting a salve on some of the pain with some positivity. We're giving our heart a break from how negative the situation may be in reality. And we're shoring ourselves, our emotional realm up to be able to handle the burden that is coming. And we're giving ourselves some endurance when we do positive thinking. And so lastly, we're going to talk about this. Stop being ungrateful. And that is part of finding the positives. No matter how good or bad you have it, you wake up each day and be thankful for your life. That is honoring God because he paid a great price for you to have a life. He paid a great price. And he's the one that created you. He's the one that thought you up. He's the one that wanted you to be here. So one of the greatest ways to honor him is to thank him for life. And, and you can still be honest. You can say, you know, God, I really do thank you for the life that I have, even if I'm spending some of it complaining. Thank you. Thank you, God, for doing this for me, even if I don't always understand it or appreciate it every day. Because see, someone somewhere else is desperately fighting for their life. Instead of, and so instead of thinking about what you're missing, try thinking about what you have that maybe other people don't have and be grateful. When I think about living in a, in a uh, home that has air conditioning and I think about I have food in my refrigerator and sometimes I have to throw it away, that's, that's a gift. There are people that don't have that. When I think about the fact that I have a doctor that can help me, I'm not thankful for getting sick, but I'm very thankful that I have access to care. And I have people in my life that care for me. So I can be thankful. That doesn't mean that all the people in my life that care about me always do it great, right? They're humans. But I practice being thankful. And I want you to practice being thankful. Because thankfulness also really chases away fear. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of the week on is are you so afraid you're making yourself sick? We're going to talk about fear and what it is. We're going to talk about having a fearless moral inventory of who we are and not being afraid to look at who we are and to be honest about that. And we're going to talk about the different types of fear and what fear is for and why humans have fear, why mammals have fear, and why God put that into the design. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to give you a lot of great insight and a lot of great support because fear is, that's not a fun one to have. And, you know, the majority of people would rather be mad than afraid. And if they get hurt, they want to get mad instead of being just hurt. So we're going to talk about this, this issue of fear and what it means and what it does. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you again for joining me today and taking time in your day. God bless you in what you are doing and in your day. Make sure you check out the website if you would like a keynote speaker for any 
of your organizations or spiritual uh, get-togethers, I would love to do that for you. So you can contact me through the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.